on this episode. I was on a date with this person, and he said to me, you know, you look like my dead wife. And I didn't know what to say. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. And he goes, let me show you. And he shows me a picture of her. And she was a petite brunette, also thin. I said, oh, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. And then he gets up in the restaurant and he yells, she looks like my dead wife. She looks like my dead wife. So I left. From the coveted corner booth in a little bar in the center of the Coachella Valley universe, welcome to another big conversation with Patrick Evans and Randy Florence. Gentlemen... Welcome to another edition of Big Conversations Little Bar, taped live before a drunken bar audience at Skip Page's Little Bar in Palm Desert, California. We like to call it the center of the Coachella Valley universe because Skip tells us to. Uh, My name is Patrick Evans, and I'm here with my trusty co-host and well-known sidekick and actor, thespian, who's under the tutelage of the great Terry Ray, Mr. Randy Florence, ladies That's and gentlemen. That's a fantastic introduction. Thank you so much. I'm impressed with myself. I, <laughs> how are the acting classes going? They're going really, really good. I, I, I think I found it. 67 years old, and I think I found what I'm going to be doing with my life. I think there are a lot of roles for guys in their 60s and 70s in L.A. They, that's what they're looking for these days. They're tired <laughs> of these Brad Pitt characters. Well, they, that, I definitely won't be one of those. Uh, that's not a problem. You can play in the first part of Benjamin Buttons. <laughs> How about a really boring version of it where I just stay the same stay age for an hour and a half? <laughs> that would be awesome. Hey, hey, hey. One thing. Um, as we record this, and she happens to be listening right now, it's my wife's birthday. Yes, Kay, it is. Happy birthday. I just wanted to say it publicly. And it was just your birthday. Cheers. Happy birthday to you both. Thank you very much. Let me take a sip here. Mm-hmm. So cheers to Kay on her birthday. Uh, John McMullen, our producer, is here. Uh, and Randy, we have a very special guest. This is, uh, we are getting close to Valentine's Day. This is our special Valentine's Day episode. And we are in the midst of love month. So, why don't you do the honors and introduce Julie, our guest. I'd like to do that. For over three decades, Julie Spira has been helping singles find love online, internationally, and is the author of The Perils of Cyber Dating, Confessions of a Hopeful Romantic Looking for Love Online. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Hello, guys. And everybody needs to know, you're done up for uh, Love Month, all in bright red. She's brought us in a whole bunch of little goodies that we'll put on another 25 or 30 pounds by the end of the episode. So thank you for all of that. Thanks for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Have some more chocolate. <laughs> I'm going to have some here in a moment. I want to ask you how you got into the business of coaching people uh, through the dating life. What, what drew you to that? You know, there's always something that, you know, that go, when you're on your path, there's always something that uh, hits you and makes you uh, change courses. Mine was a typical uh, story of a breakup. Um, it was 30 years ago. I was in a long-term relationship. We broke up, and I was a busy technology executive, and 
I'm thinking, well, I need to replace this guy with an internet mate. So I, I, was, I joined Love at AOL during oh, those dial-up days. Do you remember when oh, we had the God. dial-up days and the screeching modem oh, yes. and chat rooms and they charged you per minute to be online? <laughs> I almost went bankrupt. <laughs> yeah, most people had like $300 month bills on those days. So that was it. I decided to, um, to take matters into my own hands and I joined the Love at AOL chat room as a charter member. And while I was meeting interesting people, some very interesting, some married, and they got discarded when they got busted, um, my friends were like, how are you meeting these guys? How are you meeting these guys? So I started writing profiles for other people as my side hustle. And then they started getting married to people they met online because I wrote a profile on J-Date or one on Match or one on eHarmony. So I knew there was something there, and I had been collecting stories for quite a while, but the industry was still, mm, don't tell anybody you met in a chat room because you know most people in chat rooms were either creepy or um, married and not available. Well, that you know that's really changed because now I routinely meet people and and one of the things I always like to ask people couples is how did you meet because it's usually there's there's always an interesting story uh, and a lot of people met online now and and that's uh, it seems to be a growing way that couples are meeting. I, you know, online dating or dating app usage, it's, it's the number one way that couples are meeting. Even pre-pandemic, um, the majority of couples met, uh, there was a Stanford study, 39% met online as compared to 20% um, who met through friends. Yet everybody says, I want to meet someone that someone knows. I want to meet a friend of a friend. But when their friends aren't fixing you up, you just got to grab your mobile phone and, uh, you know... Jump into the pool with 400 million other singles. What is the most popular <clears throat> or most used dating site right now? You know, I think most people are on Tinder. Um, Tinder became a household name. And originally, it started in the college campuses, so it was skewed younger, and it was, you know, people considered it a hookup. Yeah, I was going to say right? that. My, my impression, I was never on Tinder, uh, but <coughs> it was mo- much more of a hookup thing. Is it now a a legit dating site? It, it is. It's more than legit. It's the largest site, and I think the reason is is that you know people go on these other sites. They go on Match or they go on eHarmony, and then they you know they they don't meet someone, so they try Tinder. So Tinder now is it's pretty much something for everyone. If you want to hook up, you can go on Tinder. Just say you're looking to hook up. If you're looking for marriage, say long term relationship LTR. Um, but make, state your intentions and let people know exactly what you're looking for, so you can send the other ones you know to the curb. Are there any that are known for, uh, for lack of a better term, being safer than others, where people can be pretty much sure that who they're talking to is who they think they're talking to? Well, when it comes to safety, and that's always a hot button for me, I think a lot of it is you use your, own, you use your intuition. Yeah. And sites are safe. They're filled with um, dating safety information. They all have the safety reporting features where you can say, oh, somebody made me uncomfortable and I'm going to report that profile. And then the dating apps look into it. And if somebody is you know, sending creepy messages that are uncomfortable, make you uncomfortable, they will block them and remove them from the site. Were you... Randy makes me uncomfortable on a regular basis, and I don't, I don't know who to report him you to. You don't know how to block him. We don't have HR for the <laughs> podcast. Just unplug my uh, headset here. Um, in the early 80s, uh, it was fern bars. I, I remember we were all going into what? fern bars. Believe it or not, that was a thing. We were going into fern bars to meet people, and supposedly it felt safer and calmer. Fern. 
you, you know what ferns are. Yes. These were bars that had ferns. And it was almost like if you went into one of these bars, that was a place to go to meet people safely that you could ask out. That was the thing at my age, just before <laughs> you're looking at me because you weren't alive in that time. Fern, I've never heard of fern bars. Seriously. Oh, good, I'm not alone. What, oh, is, what is a fern God. bar? Well, we're going to edit all of this no, out. because No, no, this is really interesting. <laughs> this gives us more insight really into you than our guest, but I want to know about this fern bar phenomenon. They were all over Silicon Valley. They were bars with giant ferns hanging from the ceilings. And I spent a lot of not that time kind of high. Fern. So. No, Fern. Fern. Fern bars. Okay, so you'd go to firm, fern, ba- fern bars. Solely for the purpose of meeting people. And it was safe. It seemed to be. That's why we went there. Okay. And, well, did you meet anybody? Oh, no, I was married. What, what were you, you doing, doing in, a fern- in a fern bar? <laughs> yeah. I didn't spend many much time there. That was just the thing. But apparently it wasn't a thing anywhere where you guys live. No. No. Prior to online, finding people online, how, what were you doing for dating? Well, you know, when, when you were younger... You fern met, bars, right? Yeah, no, we didn't have fern bars. No, I mean, when you were... People before online dating, you know, they were using personal ads. You know, they, they may be LA Personals or, or Village Voice had a personal section if you were in, in New York. So people were going to, you know, joining the Sierra Club. I mean, they were doing things. They were out and about meeting people and they were finding people with similar interests. If they were into politics, they would, you know, they would volunteer for you know, a political fundraiser. So now we've moved beyond fern bars to more technology-driven dating. Uh, when you are crafting uh, a profile, because you coach clients, correct? Yes. And uh, these clients uh, hire you for your expertise to make their profiles stand out, right? That's one yes. of the big things. Yes. So what, what are some of the tips that you would give... I don't give away all your trade secrets, but yeah, what do you tell clients to make their profile stand out? Well, I think the most important part of the profile um, are the photos. I mean, when they say picture tells a thousand words, I mean, if I'm wearing red today and I wear red in my dating profile, um, I make everyone I work with wear red because everybody's tired of the little black dress or the black t-shirt. And, you know, if you're scrolling through thousands of profiles and somebody's wearing red, it pops out. Okay. So... The first photo needs to be a headshot, okay? Smiling, looking into someone's eyes, gazing. Often I see these profile photos where people are getting artsy and they're turning their head to the left. Um, or they're so far away, you, you know, where is that dot, you know, with, in the middle of a forest? <laughs> so it needs to be a close-up. And then after that, you know, you have a full-length body shot, an activity shot. So maybe you're hiking, maybe you're golfing. Um, do something where somebody could picture being on a date with you. Do you recommend nudes for the? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can put your clothes back on. Oh, now, okay, Patrick. all right. Uh, yeah. your profile will be your profile will be pulled down and blocked so fast. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean <laughs> again, again, not again. Uh, all right, so uh, yes, obviously the appearance is really important, and so you make sure that people are posting appropriate. Well done photos. Well done photos. Hire a photographer. Um, bring a friend over who has a great camera and just shoot a thousand pictures and then narrow it down to five or six. 
What are some of the biggest mistakes that you see made? Oh, that's a really good question. Oh, thank you. Okay. Mistakes on profiles. First yes. of all, sunglasses. Why? Everybody's wearing sunglasses. I don't care if you're on the ski slope. I don't care if you've got the sun beating in your eyes. We need to look into those gorgeous eyes and see somebody who they will show up on the date. The other is the selfies that you talk about nude photos. Forget that. But the selfie in the bathroom. Oh, I mean, that's just a times, terrible trend. But it's a it's a trend. Uh, everybody's doing it. And and it's it's such a turn off. It's like please don't show me another selfie in the bathroom or without the shirt or pretend you're at the gym and show me your muscles. So basically, Our everything that John, John McMullen's been putting out online lately. <laughs> <laughs> you have last, to chime in here, John. The selfie I took was at the uh, airport in San Francisco from a stall. <laughs> Next episode of yeah, Big right. Conversations. That's, that is a lot of information. I don't know if it qualifies as TMI, but it's AMI, a lot of information. <laughs> uh, all right, that's, uh, so what other mistakes are people making? Word count. I always say leave the novel at home. When you start reading a profile and it has more than 50, 60 words, you're seeing paragraph after paragraph. It's like they told me their whole life story. What's left to tell? You know, I think I'll move on to somebody else who I can have a conversation with. Now, um, some dating sites, I know, like Match.com and eHarmony, they, like, they had, the guy who founded eHarmony lives in Rancho Mirage. Oh, he moved here from Pasadena? Yeah. Okay. Dr. I don't know, whatever his name was. Uh, I just called him Doctor. <laughs> uh, I used to see him all the time at the, at Bernie's in, in Ranch Mars. Anyway, uh, a lot of those have, you know, information where you have to fill out and you do like a profile. Uh, but like Tinder is just a, a couple of lines, isn't it? It's a couple of lines. And the other thing I suggest is adding some emojis. So like if I have a Tinder profile, which I just happen to have one here, um, the thing that makes it interesting is the fact that you know, you have the photos, and then when people look at the profile, you have emojis. So, you know, it makes it easier on the eyes. So, I wrote, a, if you're a smart guy looking for a classic lady with a smile for a long-term relationship, swipe right. I mean, that's to avoid the hookup, folks. I was told to use emojis for my profile picture. <laughs> you chose wildly inappropriate emojis, too, Randy. I just wanted to point that out. Uh, so, now, you, you're coaching people. Do you have more men clients or women clients? You know, it really depends on the, the season. Right now, there are more women. In the summertime, there tend to be more men. Um, not really sure why, but sometimes it balances out 50-50. I would say most of the people are um, divorced or uh, widowed, and they've never been on a dating app. And uh, they realize that, you know, they want a partner. They want somebody to go to theater with, maybe go on a hike with, definitely go traveling with. And so uh, they come to me saying, okay, I've never done this and I don't want to blow it. So, like, help me with my profile. And then I also set up their matches. And I'm like, okay, each week we Zoom and that what happened with Steve and what happened with Randy. <laughs> and so that's what we do. And it's a lot of fun. So when you're going through these people's matches... Uh, now, these are folks that they've already contacted, or do you kind of sift through them before they make contact? Well, I sift through them before they make contact, but when we Zoom, we always do it together. So I don't believe in ghostwriting, because then you're on a date with somebody, and you don't even know what you've said to them. 
So we write messages together. So we'll sift through the matches that I'm saying, these are potentials, let's take a look at them. And we'll decide yay, and we'll swipe right, or no, we'll swipe left, and then we will craft a message. And I do believe that women over the age of 40 need to initiate contact and write to the guys first. And so we, so we send messages. It's usually, you know, here's another little tip. It's, it's usually three sentences and one question, and that's it. Because on your mobile phone, that's about all you can handle reading. Do you find some older women uh, aren't comfortable making that first contact because of the way they grew up? They are first, but, you know, if we want to fill their date cards, you know, they can, <laughs> they can play the waiting game and it's empty, right. or we can be proactive. And for the men, they always tell me, we are so tired of writing to 20 women and only one person writes back. So when a man receives, in, in a you know, heterosexual relationship, if a man receives a message from a woman, then he knows there's a great chance that she will write back when he responds. So they're flattered. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would, I would think that on right. the sites, if, if someone reaches out to you as a guy, you're going to respond right away. Unless they don't have bad, you know, unless the pictures are not. Unless the pictures are bad. <laughs> <laughs> so it always comes down to the visual. <laughs> Julie, I want to talk about how you got here. So, born and raised in New she Jersey. Took a, a, an Uber. <laughs> <laughs> born and raised in New Jersey. Where in Jersey? There you go. Okay, Bergen County. Okay, because I was born in Morristown, New Jersey. Morristown, well, that's really pretty, isn't that? Uh, yeah. Route 80, Route 80? Yeah, okay. Route 80. Okay. We have a lot of people that we've interviewed who either born or spent a lot of time in New Jersey. Yes. Why is that? It's uh, the Garden people, State. Yeah, the people from Jersey are just the best people in the world. <laughs> They've always said that. that we, <laughs> we maintain that to this day. Uh, all right, and so... Moved on to Ithaca College. I did. I was really excited. I went to Ithaca College for, uh, for television and radio. I really liked their um, Park School of Communications. And then while I was there, I, um, I got my dream job, midnight to 6 a.m., <laughs> Friday and Saturday nights, really great for my social life. But I was on the air as Julie Evans. We talked about this before, oh, another did, yes. Evans, um, at a 50,000-watt FM radio station. Uh, it was WAAL in Binghamton, New York. And I just thought, like, I hit the jackpot doing midnight to 6 a.m. <laughs> Were you... Did, did you get a lot of weird calls for requests? <laughs> Yes, and I'll tell you why. Um, I kept some of these letters from the request. I used to get this weird fan mail. Um, we weren't that far from the Elmira State Penitentiary. <laughs> so Don't I had, pick up hitchhikers. No, so we had a, I had a lot of people writing, uh, you know, please play Van Halen for me or play this for me, and then they'd send me their photos, and I kept the Julie Evans fan mail because it's sentimental. And they wrote in and said, please don't play Sam Cooke's Chain Gang. We hate that song. <laughs> a boy named Sue. <laughs> so, Folsom, so, don't so play Folsom Prison. Please. What, what got you on this path? What, what in your life, I mean, you talked about there was a relationship and such, but when did you become interested in love and attraction? Well, I was always interested in love. I admired my parents. I'm happily married for 69 years. Holy cow. And so love was always a big, important part of my life. You know, I like I had high school, I was a cheerleader and had a football player boyfriend. And, you know, I just, love was always something important to me. But because I had a technology, I moved from broadcasting to technology, I was fascinated by the intersection of love and technology. 
And I, I kind of visualized where this was going. And I knew someday, even though we weren't allowed to talk about it because of the chat room thing, but I knew someday that this was going to be a huge commercial success. And this is the way that people were going to meet. And when, you know, the Facebook came out and, and the iPhones came out, I mean, it just, it just, you know, catapulted. What was the site that really was the breakthrough for, that made online dating legit? I would say Match.com. And let's see, if I, I started it in uh, 1994. Match was launched in 1995 and eHarmony in 2000. So Match became the biggest dating site at that time. And uh, I still have a lot of clients that I put on Match because it's very easy to navigate. Uh, what dating sites do you not recommend? Like, are there ones that you say, no, don't, don't, don't go on that one? Well, don't like go farmers on the, looking yeah. for com or. Right. I, I mean, you know, here's the thing. I like Farmers Only. I think Farmers uh, Only happens to have some really interesting people on it. So I, I do recommend Farmers Only <laughs> if you live in the Midwest. But, um, but don't go on sites that don't have a lot of members and that are charging hefty price tags. Yeah. Well, what is your advice? And thank you, Alan. Uh, he's a great shill. Our, our, our fan, Alan. Who's no, he's our in-house counsel. In-house counsel. <laughs> We're going to need it pretty quickly. Um, how do you talk of, with folks that are developing online relationships about getting into conversations with the other per- person about money or property? or When should they start moving down that path once they've developed an attraction to somebody? Well, I don't believe in talking about money and, and early on in the relationship, and certainly people do background checks because it's so easy to do. But I think once you've dated somebody three, four, five times and you've decided to become exclusive and you have the talk <laughs> and you both take down your profiles at the same time, it's a bit of a digital ritual. Um, then it's an, And then it's a situation where you need to learn about the other money. What person, what are their values towards money? I mean, one person may want to spend a lot of money that they don't have to impress you and another wants to be a saver. But at that point, you're talking about other issues. You're talking about families, and you're talking about blending families, and you're talking about, you know, if we move in together, like, how are we going to divide the responsibilities, you know, both financial and, you know, housework and so forth. Are there red flags that you tell your custom, your clients to look for when they start an online relationship? Yes, the red flags. So probably the biggest red flag are the braggarts out there. Um, I see profiles with men standing in front of Ferraris, and I know it's not theirs. It's, it's a neighbor's. They found it in a parking lot. So, uh, but you I see did not. it. That is hilarious. People, would, I'm sure people do that. That's All just. the time. You know. So if you see somebody next to the private plane, you know, if you have a private plane, you're really not about to brag about it online because you're afraid somebody's just going to be a gold digger. So, so when I see these things, it is it is a red flag. I also see things on profiles that you know that just make me shake. <laughs> they say disclaimer. You know, do not contact me if you have any baggage. Well, we all do. I mean, you know. <laughs> Don't call me at home between nine and five. <laughs> <laughs> do not contact me if you're not over your ex. Do not contact me. And it's these disclaimers on these profiles. You wouldn't believe it. There's like ten of them. And you know, the only message I get is, "Do not contact me," and we won't. Ah, well, so there's a ritual. You retire your your yes. profiles at the same time. Oh yes, yeah, and you toast to a glass of champagne, and you know, and then you change your relationship status everywhere. How do you ma- how do you gauge success in what you do for a living? 
you know, the success for what I do, um, it's, it's very rewarding. And people come to me, they're practically in tears. They think that no one is ever going to love them, that their shelf life has expired and that, you know, they're over the hill and everybody's going to want somebody younger or hotter or richer. And they're really, they're hopeless. And then when we do this whole ritual of the photo shoot and you know, unveil this new profile, and all of a sudden they're getting all these like great messages from really interesting people, the next thing you know, they're in a relationship. They're going, I, I can't believe this happened. This is the happiest I've ever been in my life. I can't believe this really happened. And that makes me feel wonderful. Yeah. So do you exclusively just work with people with who are into the online dating thing? Or do you work with people who are trying to meet others the old-fashioned way? <laughs> um, both. because Fern bars? Fern bars. <laughs> excluding, excluding the fern bars that I've never heard of. I think that's a of. fictional way. I don't think any... You know, I think, I think that um, online dating and offline dating have merged, okay? And it's just dating. So when I'm working with somebody, I just want them to build up their confidence. I want them to be able to look in the mirror and say, I am the prize and really own it. And then go to Whole Foods. And if you meet somebody in the deli department, I'm thrilled. There you go. Is Whole Foods a good place to go meet people? Is that what you're saying? And that's what I'm saying. <laughs> And do you actually provide them that kind of information? No, my, the information I provide is, you know, cast a wide net. Um, we are creating an online profile to rebuild your confidence, to get you out there. And while you're filling your date cards, you know, accept invitations to parties, accept invitations to galas, accept invitations to everything. And then don't look down on your cell phone when you're in a grocery store. Look around. Um, people are flirting in the uh, produce department. Um. So, Whole Foods yeah, usually produce in the freezer department. section. That. Whole Foods Produce Department. That's for the single listeners. Our Julie has just given you that. That's the that's the secret to it. Uh, you said something really interesting. I think before we started recording, but you said that sometimes you tell your clients because you see a lot of promise in one of their matches. You say maybe go on that third date, even if they were kind of boring or they didn't have a great first or second date. So you tell them to I kind did. of persevere. I did. I have a three-date rule, and I've had it for a long time, because people are nervous on the first date, and when you're online, your conversation, the only reason to go online is to decide whether you want to go on a first date. People are nervous. The only purpose of a first date is to keep it short and decide whether you want to go on a second date. And if this person is somebody that you would introduce to your best friend or your neighbor, or you wouldn't mind going to a Super Bowl party with them, then you need to go on that third date. Okay. And then after that third date, either you know, either things are going great with you or introduce them to a friend. The old third date rule used to be that people would have sex by the third date or the relationship wasn't going anywhere. Is that... That's passe. That's passe. That's old. That's Sounds old. Like a Patrick Evans rule. <laughs> no, that was that was a thing. Wait, what's that? First. First John, date. Johnson, okay. First date. <laughs> We're gonna have to get John on again someday soon. So that's you, really funny. John. You, you've developed a playbook for these folks on the the best things to do to be a successful dater online. Were there things at the beginning as you develop this playbook that you tried and oh that didn't work I'm going to take that out of there 
Well, I think things have changed because because the pace has sped up so much. So it used to be, okay, write to someone from your desktop computer, and then uh, when they write back to you, go to sleep, don't reply right away. <laughs> and, uh, you know, play that waiting game. And, and those rules are really over because what happens is I was noticing people would write back in three days and this person and the person said, oh, you know, you really seemed interesting. You seemed attractive. But I met someone and we've decided to be exclusive, you know, on the second day. And because people are really looking to connect, if you play the waiting game, you're going to be uh, getting lots of messages if I met someone else. Wow. So you've I spent- didn't know the dating world was moving that quick. I mean, I've been married for... We've been together for a decade, so I'm sure it's a different ball game. Yeah, the pace has, has really sped up. So if you're talking to somebody on an app, they're on their phone. Reply to them. It doesn't mean you're desperate. And if they want to meet you for coffee later that day and you're free, go. Put on your lipstick. Put on your best you know, leather jacket, whatever it may be, and go because if you don't, someone else will. Have you had any like particularly like just disastrous horror stories? that you can share? <laughs> like, like the Hindenburg of dating stories? <laughs> Holy humanity. Oh, yes. Um, gosh. There was a story in the book, and it was really, it's sad. So, I mean, I'm, I'm out of respect to anyone who has lost a partner, this person's wife passed away. And I was on a date with this person, and he said to me, you know, you look like my dead wife. And I didn't know what to say. And I said, oh, I, I'm so sorry for your loss. And he goes, let me show you. And he shows me a picture of her. And she was a petite brunette, also thin. I said, oh, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. And then he gets up in the restaurant and he yells, she looks like my dead wife. She looks like my dead wife. So I left. Yeah. I would have. Yeah, that's not. That's a red flag. Yeah. <laughs> right that's there. A red, I, and I think the proper way to phrase that would have been more like, you look like my wife who's since passed away. You look like my dead wife. That would have been my question before or after. Like, like, well, I didn't know, did he have a gun in his back pocket? <laughs> That's a good one, too. Yeah. Oh, so how about wow. a particularly uh, fantastic success story that you'd like to share? Oh, my gosh. I love my success stories. Okay. She there's introduced a- Meghan Markle and, and, and Harry. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's, no. there's been this upward trend of older women dating younger men. Okay, and the cougar effect. Anything ten years or greater and apart in age is considered a cougar. But more to the point, I of didn't like, know there was that definition. You yes, got to be ten years older. Ten, yeah, nine doesn't count. Okay. So ten years or older, it's the cougar thing. But um, we did it. We did a segment on the Today Show about this older women, you know, younger, younger men, and. I have a client who um, is 25 years older than this gorgeous guy she's dating. And I was very nervous about it at first because I thought, like, well, she's widowed and she's got money and she's gorgeous and, you know, he's kind of hot, but, you know, maybe he has a different girl in every port. And I thought maybe he was just interested in her financially. So I kept saying, well, keep dating other people, keep dating other people. And then the pandemic hit, and he was with her every single day, you know, cooking her meals, getting her massages. But they fell madly in love, and they're still together now. They're living together. They've met each other's families. And he has his own money. He was a child actor, and apparently he owns a bunch of real estate. So even though it appeared to the outside world like maybe he's got ulterior motives, the bottom line is they fell in love. It's Gary Coleman. (laughs) 
No, it was it was Gary <laughs> Coleman. It's not Gary. Yeah. <laughs> I love that story. That's it's sweet. It is sweet. It and so obviously, I mean, your job is to get your clients to no longer be your clients because once they are happily in love, they don't need you anymore. Yes and no, for the most part. Uh, yes no. Oh, do you do you have people like in serious relationships who are still reaching out and Well yeah, they have a bump on the road, okay? So, you know, everything's going great and you know, they're happy, they're living together, they're engaged, they're making plans, and then suddenly there's a bump in the road and maybe an ex comes into the picture, or maybe there's problems with somebody's relatives and so forth. And they need a little extra coaching just to sort of stay on track. So I do hear from people along the way. Um, you know, I think that uh, you know you need to date your mate throughout the rest of your life. But if you have a bump on the road, ask for help from someone. I like okay, that. That's, so you're more than just a dating coach; you're a relationship coach as well. Yes. Yes. Okay. That's, is, that's important. Is that's there a, so that like a relationship now, like the dating profile? So you, it comes with a little bit of a warranty, so <laughs> people can continue to reach out. And you can buy an extended one. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I get called every day. My extended warranty on my relationship is about to expire. How long have you been married? Forty. It'll be 43 years in two weeks. That's remarkable. Yeah. yeah. That's wonderful. That's, thank that's you. True. Thank you. All of this. I mean, that's why that sounded so stupid. The last thing I remember about being single is standing in a fern bar. So it's kind of stuck with me. All you better that. stick with Kate because they don't have fern bars anymore, Randy. And, and, uh, I think Google there was that. only one, and you found it. My fern died too. <laughs> fern so bar. you get you've been a frequent guest on the Today Show and Good Morning America. What do they typically call you for to bring you on? Is it always around Valentine's Day? It's always Valentine's Day because people don't realize that you know every day should be Valentine's Day, but there's this extra pressure during you know busy peak season of trying to trying to snag Valentine's date. But on Good Morning America, our segments are usually almost always dating safety. I'm their dating safety expert. So if something happens and you read something in the news, uh, you know, something happens dangerous, um, they'll call me up and I'll weigh in with, you know, safety tips. And All right. So what are it. some of the recommendations you give your clients? And I'm certain, you know, obviously female clients, what, what are the things you tell them to be safe when they're going? And I mean, you've only ever seen this person online. Right. So meeting someone in person, I mean, it's it's got to be a little bit of a crapshoot every time. It is. I mean, you know, we all like get worried about, are they really going to look like those photos? And often <laughs> they don't because they post old photos from prom days. But, 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 but the bottom line is, is, is you need to go and meet in a public place and meet in the daytime, preferably. If you're meeting in the evening, order a mocktail instead of a cocktail or never more than one drink. Um, I believe in the buddy system and letting a friend know who you're meeting. This is their screen name. Here's their cell phone number. And then taking a bathroom break and texting your friend to say that, you know, thumbs up, things are going well, or, you know, this doesn't feel right, I'm out of here. And so I think it's important to have that buddy system. And if anybody makes you uncomfortable for any reason, just politely leave and say you have an appointment to go to. And please, don't get in someone's car. How, how early... In this process, if I had kids, how early in this process do you recommend that I divulge that information? Or should it already be on my profile? Well, there's only so much you should put on your profile because people are going to Google you anyway. Oh. Um, hey, don't put your kids' <laughs> pictures on the profile. That's No. Not no. 
Yeah, the family. Hold off on the family, <laughs> the family shots. <laughs> With just a, a blank spot over the wife's face. Huh? <laughs> and none of them look like me. <laughs> no, but, but, but here's the thing. Authenticity is always key. And these days, people can check up on whether you're lying about, you know, your age, what you do for a living. I mean, if you're pretending to be a doctor and you're really not, um, people can find this information out. So the more honest and authentic you can be in your search process, you know, the more successful you're going to be. It's really funny you said because when I, I'm, and I met my wife not online. We met in the old-fashioned way. We met at a bar. Fern bar. It was not a fern bar. She was with a friend. And it was funny because you said a couple things. Number one... She did not want, we, they wanted to go someplace else. The place we were was kind of winding down. And I suggested we go to Melvin's. But they were very resistant of getting in my car to go with me to Melvin's. So that was a smart thing. But then the funny thing was, later, they, they Googled me and, and her friend was like, no, he really is the weatherman. And I just think, <laughs> who would lie about that? Like, how, that's a pretty easy, like a doctor, you got you to gotta search a little harder. But like. Deep. Who I says? love the fact that they thought a weatherman would automatically be safe. <laughs> yeah, he's really the weatherman, so he's, he's harmless. And, but I was like, who would, are there people out there lying like, oh no, I, I, I do the weather. Like, that's not. <laughs> yeah, no, I just tell people, I know somebody who does the weather. Well, the weatherman pickup line has always been, if I told you you had a warm front, would you hold it against me? Oh. oh you can put that in your next book, by the way. Oh, okay. When did the book come out? So the book came out in um, two thousand nine, uh, Valentine's book. Um, I, I was very excited about it. Um, it became a bestseller in computers and internet humor, um, and mate <laughs> internet and, humor. And, I love and, that. And mate seeking. So I, I was um, quite excited about that. But it was still a time like when the book came out, there was no Tinder. Yeah. Um, and um, I created something a few years later called Mobile Dating Boot Camp. Uh, which was a lot of fun, which I was matching up singles with dating apps and telling them they could try and find love from their mobile phones. And they were really nervous about it. But now everybody's on Bumble and Hinge and, and Tinder and, you know, the what, what's big the, sites. What's the biggest thing from the book that has changed from 15 years ago? Well, the biggest thing um, are just the enormous number of people that are meeting online. Maybe, maybe 15 years ago, you know, maybe there were 10, 20, 10, 20 million instead of 400 million worldwide. Wow. So 400 million people are worldwide. 400 million people worldwide have used dating apps. That number is so big. So I would say people lied so much 10, 15 years ago about their age. They lied about their height if they were short, the guys. And now, um, she now say bug eyes. The guys, the guys, the guys. Why were you looking at me? <laughs> so the thing about the guys lying about their height, you know, they have this thing in their head because they've heard it from women. We only want to date a tall, dark, handsome guy, and he's got to be six feet tall or old or higher. And the reality is, there's only 14.5 percent of men in the United States that are above six feet tall. Really? Right. So the other 85% are getting lucky. You know? Randy, you're in the top 15%. Well, there we go. He's Congratulations. Smiling. I feel a lot better. I'm going huh? to be a hit at the Fern Bar tonight. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be one of the tall guys. <laughs> Fern Bar. Um, what, are, what are, so obviously you said for first dates, something short, maybe coffee, something like that. What do you recommend for like second and third dates for someone that you're, like, you're really interested in? 
what do you tell your clients? Like, how do you, you know, what's the closer date? I don't know about the closer date, but the, the follow-up dates, it's usually good to maybe closer go to a museum. <laughs> closer date sounds like I'm going to... just hit me. It's the sex date. I get yeah, it. Not, I get that's it. Not if what this I meant. isn't done by Thursday, I'm out of here. <laughs> that is, that's not what I meant. But if you're looking for like a long-term relationship, so what is like, what do you recommend your clients... So for a second or third date, if you're looking for a long-term relationship, perhaps you can go to an event at the art museum. Um, perhaps you can go on a, on the bump and grind trail. You can go on a you know go hiking. See now that sounds like a sex date. Well, that's sexy. I know that's the, the trail's name, but I know it does. There's actually a trail. <laughs> I've never been on it. Oh, my ex-wife hiked that one a lot. Uh, that's that's a whole different story. Uh, let's continue. But those those are some good second or third date options. The cooking date at home, if a guy mm. says, hey, I'm going to cook you a romantic dinner, candlelight dinner, what's your favorite you know, dish? Patrick, what's your favorite dish? Um, I have a lot of favorite dishes because uh, I'm a very indiscriminate eater. <laughs> I just like food. Um, I like when I was dating, uh, I would frequently like do like a chicken cacciatore. On what date number? Uh, all of them? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Just pulls it out of the so, freezer. But do you think, like, is that, like, yeah, once you know the person is safe, the, the home cooking date is a good thing? You like that? I, I like that. If you know that that's the date where your clothes end up on the floor, it's going to be the home-cooked meal date. Yeah, it really there is. There you go. Wow, chicken cacciatore. Cross the fern bar off your list and, and get, <laughs> chicken get Martha Stewart cookbook. And that's... Uh, you were just um, involved with the John Women's Day Leaders one. Forum of Coachella Valley. Yeah, I love the Women Leaders Forum. So we did, we did an event, um, the February Let's Interact, with the theme of P.S. I Love You. And um, in the years prior, we did, you know, dating advice, relationship advice for Love Month. But this, this year, we decided to talk about our love affair with the hidden gems in the Coachella Valley. And it was, and there's just so many new things to do, and they are lots of great date ideas, whether it's going to the Agua Caliente um, Cultural Center or that spa that, oh, I've been to twice already. I can't wait the to go back. The second spa is, I hear it's fantastic. I've not been. I hear amazing. it's incredible. Amazing. I mean, that's the, the great gift certificate to give to your wives. Is <laughs> we should have, you know, we had uh, <laughs> tribal chairman Reed Milanovic. We should have hit him up for some We should have passed a discount. At least, at least a discount. Go ahead. But, but there were so many. So it was about the hidden gems um, here in Palm Springs. What are some of the other hidden gems that you recommend? Um, well, there's so many great new restaurants. How about just looking at the Michelin Guide? You know, there's, I think, eight restaurants that are in the Michelin Guide in Palm Springs. And, uh, you know, going to those, I know Booze Hounds is on the list and Bar Cecil. Bar Cecil consistently has, I think, the highest celebrity count. It's unbelievable, uh, and uh, I'm, and I like Bar Cecil. I've been a couple times, but like I've never seen John Hamm there. But apparently, he goes there. Chris mm-hmm. Pine was just there. And that, that's like the celebrity spotting a- spot. And in you've town. been there, Patrick. So. No, I've been there <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Now, Bar Cecil is absolutely beautiful, but it was it was a great presentation because people that you know got new ideas of places to go and great date ideas even if you're in a relationship you know what do you want to do with your significant other on valentine's day or a birthday what was the biggest home run in a first date for you 
biggest home run on a first date for me. I, I mean, for me, a first date is one that you leave when you have a second date on the calendar. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And without that, it's just, you know, it's just going to fade away. Slow fade. Do you often find yourself having to say no multiple times? Myself personally or my clients? <laughs> Your clients. Well, how do you tell them when somebody just won't leave them alone? What, what is the process? Well, the process is basically saying, I really enjoyed meeting you or I really enjoyed this conversation, but I don't believe that we have enough in common to forge a relationship. That sounds like a form letter. Well, Kay said that to me several times, and, and I just you're still, I'm still 43 years later, are still hanging in there. That's yeah. good. I keep telling her the best days are coming. <laughs> but these are great questions. And she still believes yeah. you. Keep uh, them coming. Uh, <laughs> uh, I want to go back to talking about you know coaching your clients and. Have you had, do you get a lot of repeat clients? Like they get into a relationship, but then ultimately it doesn't work back and they work out and they come back? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I mean, ultimately relationships don't work out. Usually people, either they get married or they move in together and have a life plan or they get to the end of nine to 12 months and they break up. So there's a relationship cycles. Like the first three months, everybody's on great behavior. You're going on fabulous dates. You're cooking meals for each other. Showering, <laughs> stuff like that. Then dates three, <laughs> months three through six, you know, it's kind of like the second trimester. Months three through six is when we call it the, you know, the imperfect stage. And that's when people, you know, leave the toilet seat out. They get lazy. Um, right, I have a question about that. <laughs> I wanna, he, she mentioned is, the toilet seat up and this, that caught his attention. Now, now this, this, I think we need to dig into this because this is kind of so i mean we sort of live in a in a in a post-gender society where and we're all equal and and you know isn't it just as much an equal responsibility to put the toilet seat down and and lift it up i mean why is it always just the onus is on the guy I don't know. I think, you know, it just kind of is an eyesore, you know, when you go into the bathroom <laughs> and you see that toilet seat up. I don't know. I just got two new toilets and they have the slow close lid and I'm awesome? very happy. <laughs> wow, that's fancy. That would that would end a lot of a lot of arguments. There's a lot of friction over the toilet seat. There is. No. Yeah. That's a, most that's, definitely. It ranks right up there with the toothpaste tube. Uh, well, I guess I guess it is true that only men ever use the toilet with the seat up. So, I guess the onus really is on the guy. I guess to, so. To put it down. Well, I mean, so, you want to make her happy. That's my goal. I'm glad we've solved this. this you is, uh, we've, you we've, coined the term social media anxiety disorder. SMAD, yes. SMAD. How did that come about? Because it, people started actually asking you about that after you did that. Right. Yeah, I did. I did talk a lot about social media anxiety disorder. I think I wrote about it for Huffington Post because I found that people were so attached to at that point their Facebook um, page, and what would happen is they couldn't detach from it, and they had to like like comments or write comments, or they would post something really cool that they've done, and then nobody would respond, and nobody would like it, love it, comment on it, share it. And people started feeling bad about themselves because they thought they did something great and maybe they didn't have that many friends after all. And it became this real issue, which then fast forward, it turned into FOMO, which is the fear of missing out. 
what what what's the what's the conversation that you have with them when you sense that's what's happening? When I sense that's what's happened, I tell them to take a break from social media and take every Sunday off. And, oh, and, that's and good it's a deplugging day. Yeah, that's it's an unplugged day. Get you know, just detaching from the screen. Detach from the screen on Sunday. Go outside. Do things with your friends and family. Just do not log on and count how many people liked your last photo. But, you know, the thing about social media is you know, I think we're all hidden performers. And social media is your audience. Right. And so you want to get those likes. And, you know, everybody wants to post a picture that people love and... It's, the validation is it's um, yeah. it can be just devastating for people but the reality is people are out there buying likes and and so it really doesn't matter if two people like your photo or a hundred people like your photo because I'm more suspect when I see a thousand people liking anything of mine I'm like okay who bought those so mm. not me <laughs> so Valentine's Day um, is tomorrow as we record this what do you it's it's a beautiful day for love and a, and romance it's also a horrible day for an awful lot of people that wish they had somebody on valentine's day for your clients who valentine's day is coming up and they don't have anything what's that conversation like the conversation is really about self-love if you don't have a valentine and you really want to have one and it's about, you know, self-love is really high on the list because if you're confident and you love yourself, then you will be able to attract love. And it really doesn't matter what day on the calendar that happens. But adding to that, February 13th is Galentine's Day. And that's a day where you celebrate your female friendships. And I'm a big lover of Galentine's Day. I think it came from an episode of Parks and Recreation. That's mm-hmm. only for women, Randy. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Don't go inviting but you can't, a bunch of you girls. But if that's crash, where they all are. <laughs> right. So you can't crash our Galentine's party. Yeah. But, but you know, I have plans for Galentine's Day with wonderful women here that I've met in the, uh, in the desert. And uh, it's from the Desert Symphony, the Symphonettes. And we have a luncheon on Galentine's Day. And I'm probably going to the movies with a bunch of friends on Galentine's night. But if you still want to, you know, if you're still staying home, take a bubble bath, you know, pour yourself a glass of champagne and just wake up the next morning and know that it's Singles Awareness Day every February 15th. (laughs) (laughs) So what are some of the worst date ideas for Valentine's Day? Like when you tell your client, like, don't, these are things you shouldn't do. You shouldn't go to an over-the-top, expensive, like $500 a person dinner with somebody that you barely know. That's a a lot of pressure. Uh, I think that doing something really casual, going to a movie and watching a rom-com. Right now, I think uh, I saw a study of of the top rom-coms per state. And in California, the number one rom-com was Crazy Rich Asians. Really? So so rent a rom-com. And uh, make some popcorn and don't make a big deal out of it. You know, in-room dining is, is easy. Hypothetically speaking, if you were working with a client and let's say they're in a relationship, a, a long-term relationship, they've been married for six or seven years, been together for 10, what's a good Valentine's Day gift that the guy should buy the girl? Well, when it comes to Hypothetically. Val- <laughs> Valentine's gift-giving, since we have two, um, two people here uh, with, with wives they want to buy gifts for, um, I think it's really important to have a budget. Um, 
I, you know, an over-the-top gift, you know, a lot, what woman doesn't like diamonds, but an over-the-top gift, um, it might send a message to somebody's fiscally irresponsible. So I have a budget and just say, if we're giving gifts to each other this year and our, our, our budget's $150, our budget's $50, our budget's $500, whatever it is, but don't come in with like, you know, this engagement ring when you haven't discussed marriage with someone and expect yes as the answer. Do you have clients who do that? Um, Valentine's Day is probably the number one day that clients get engaged. Yeah. Wow, really? And if you look at the Facebook relationship statuses, it's, it's, this is for people who are single, I say, don't go on Facebook on February 14th or February 15th because everybody's standing up holding their big diamond ring and, and, and showing all the flowers and posting all these romantic things they did, and it makes other people feel bad. Yeah. So you, you have clients who come back to you. Do you help clients like go through the breakup? Do you get, do you get asked questions yes. like, this isn't going well, what do I do? What's my escape plan? Exactly. <laughs> escape plan. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Open the door to the van, step out. Step out the back jack, drop okay. off the key, Lee. <laughs> okay, we're dating for four months. Here's the hypothetical situation. Okay. We're dating for four months. We're exclusive. We have a passionate relationship. We've met each other's friends and family, but he hasn't taken his profile down. And that makes people really, really anxious. So they have to have a conversation about, you know, well, why aren't you taking the profile down? Are you, st- are you window shopping because it looks fun like you're just reading a magazine or are you really looking for something else? And if you're not on the same page and your profiles aren't both down, then, um, then they are looking for someone else and it's time to move on. That's a pretty big red flag. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So what's coming up for you next? Valentine's Day, Galentine's Day. What's next for you? It's love month all month. So I'm, I'm really busy. I, I love working with my clients because I'm seeing all this great activity. I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy's got a PhD for Stanford. And this one is, I'm looking at these fabulous people that they're attracting with their new profiles. So I'm really excited about their progress and you know having that conversation to take the profiles down. Um, but March happens to be really busy as well. Uh, people that don't have a Valentine, you know, if they put their head under the covers or they just aren't interested in in having a, you know, a fancy date with somebody they're not into, they kind of resurface in March, and it becomes another peak period for dating because it's leading into spring break and better weather and lighter hours and more date opportunities. So I would say, you know, don't feel sorry for yourself on February 14th. You know, again, February 15th, Singles Awareness Day, and March, you know, people are starting to think about, you know, spring fling and hopefully more. It's fascinating. To, I, I mean, I think relationships are so difficult that people must really value having you in their corners as a coach to it's just a tough world i mean dating was it was fun but also never fun it's fun when things are going well but everybody has that inevitable bump on the road and then that's that's where you know i think my skills come in handy because you know i help them navigate that and we decide you know is this worth saving or not because you're a great catch and you'll find someone else if this person isn't treating you the way that you believe you deserve to be treated. Is is one of your couples, uh, one of your clients getting married? Is that kind of the ultimate? Well, it, yes. <laughs> it depends on the age. Um, I, you know, I have several clients that were 
uh, younger and they wanted to have children and getting married and, and uh, starting a family was a priority. And I put one client on OkCupid and we, re- and we did her profile and uh, the first person that wrote to her she married and she now has two children with. And I'll tell you why he wrote to her. He was you know, scanning through profiles. She looked kind of cute. He kept looking. And then he went back to her profile and he found this roomy quote. And I'm, she loves Rumi, the poet. So I had her put a quote from Rumi in her profile because it would differentiate her from everyone else who says I go from black tie to little black dress to all the other cliches of beach walks and things. And, Pepper's, and, beaches, he, and he said, sunset, sunset, sunset walk. He said, you know, you had me at that Rumi quote. Mm. You know, I looked at your profile and then once I scanned it a second time and I saw that quote, um, I knew I needed to ask you out. And they had this gorgeous, you know, Four Seasons wedding. And, you know, and now they have these two beautiful children. And it was the first date. And it was the only person she met online. Wow. So, so that's, that's a great That's yeah. a great, that's a great, uh, you know, a feather in your cap. I apparently, I need to be handing out officiant cards. To I knew there was a reason there, you asked. So <laughs> Randy officiates at weddings. And he does weddings. He'll also do bar mitzvahs and circumcisions. Uh, cir- really? Yeah, I, you'll I'm do brisses for a lot That's, of different things. Yeah. Well, we've reached a new low here on Big Conversations Little Bar. Julie, this was amazing. And I, I hate I to would... cut things off at this point. <laughs> Knowing that we were coming up against. <laughs> oh my God, we're going to edit out the last fifteen minutes of this. Knowing that you were coming on here for Thanksgiving was so cool. I've been for Valentine's Thanksgiving. Did I say Thanksgiving? <laughs> this episode will be airing in early November, as you, as you were coming on for Valentine's Day. I was extremely excited because I'm I'm awkward at Valentine's Day, even after 43 years. You guys of have been married. We've been together for. But every year, I feel like if I get it wrong, it's going to screw something up. So I wanted to be able to talk to you to make sure I don't screw anything Wait, up. You really think that after all of the things you screwed up, that just like one Valentine's Kate is going to be like, no, that's the last now, straw? What I did realize is I bet I've been saying Happy Thanksgiving all of these years. And that's probably been a problem. It's probably because you finished the evening by saying welcome. <laughs> and <laughs> Julie. Thank you for being here. It was really awesome. The book is called The Perils of Cyber Dating Confessions of a Hopeful Romantic Looking for Love Online. And I love that you say hopeful, not hopeless. Yes. That's a really nice turnaround of the phrase. Uh, So you can, this is available anywhere books are sold. If you are interested in, if you're out there and you're single and looking to mingle and you need a little help, contact Julie Spire. She's fantastic. She's coached many couples to happy endings. I mean, would you like to try that a different? Would you like to say something different there, Patrick? <laughs> no, I'm leaving it right there. Because what's better after a nice Thanksgiving dinner than a happy, happy ending? <laughs> Which brings this edition of Big Conversations <laughs> Little Bar to a close. My thanks to our great guest, Julie Spira. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And of course, my great co host, Randy Florence, and our producer, John McMullen, who reminds you it's always the first date. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Big Conversations, Little Bar. Recorded on location at Skip Page's Little Bar in Palm Desert, California, the center of the Coachella Valley universe. This program is a production of the Mutual Broadcasting System. All episodes are available from BigConversationsLittleBar.com 
or from most major podcast portals, including Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music. 